0: Oh, thank you, Wesley. Thanks to our praise team and for all of you, again, who are here this morning. Again, man, it's great to, uh, great to see everybody. We hope that, again, as you are here, that it's not just the moment that you are enjoying, but it's also the meaning, the meaning that is behind that, that moment. So this week, I was putting together some thoughts for, for our study that we're going to share together. I, I stumbled across something that had really never caught my attention before. It was kind of like finding that surprise, you know, that, uh, that, that's in the bottom of the cereal. You guys remember, remember? I don't even know. Do they still put prizes in cereal? I don't, I don't know now. Uh, but it used to be that you chose your cereal not by how healthy it was, right? No, you did not choose your cereal by how healthy it was. You chose your cereal by the prize that was inside the cereal. And go ahead, show of hands, how many of you would go home and you would pour out a full box of cereal, go ahead, you'd pour it out on the counter in a bowl or something, look, see, here are the people who are honest, the rest of you, the rest of you, when we're finished with this lesson, we're going to say you can come forward, and uh, you can come and repent of your lying and your, no, but you would pour out that cereal all because you wanted to be able to find Man, you want to be able to find that prize, and and then sometimes, sometimes it would be something you would have to send off for, you remember those days? And then you would watch the mailbox, because honeycombs had this thing, and you could get, do you remember? Here we go, the bicycle license tag. You guys remember that? Anybody have that one? Now, I know for those of you who who are younger, you're like, all right, Chris, you are really, you are really dating yourself. But hey, What's the fun in getting old if you can't talk about what it was like getting old, right? And so I remember that. Man, I would wait at the mailbox for for that license tag to come, and then I would get it. It would say, like, you know, I'm great or, you know, superstar, and it would be awesome. And so it's kind of like that. I'm reading through our text that we're going to look at, and then something hit, and it was like I was a kid again. All right, for those of you who are kids, though, it's kind of like you're cleaning out your car, and you find a Chick-fil-A gift card, okay? There we go. So you're cleaning out the car, and all of a sudden, underneath the seat, there's a Chick-fil-A gift card that you didn't know you had. And you're like, man, I've been needing some of God's chicken. And so you're like, whoa, thank you, Lord. And so you're really excited about it. And that's how I felt as I was reading through as I was reading through this text. Go ahead and help your Bibles to Mark chapter sixteen if you would. I almost missed it. Uh, maybe it was because I got all excited in the moment. I was too focused on I was too focused on the empty tomb and all that was going on. I got caught up in the moment. And because of that I missed the meaning. Now I didn't miss the resurrection. I didn't miss the resurrection. I just missed what the resurrection means. And that happens a lot to us as we read through different stories in Scripture. We see the moment, but we miss the meaning. It's why we can't read the creation story of Genesis without arguing about, did it really happen in 24-hour days or not? We read through the flood narrative and then debate, just how many animals can you really fit on an ark? Jesus' birth, his crucifixion, his resurrection. Man, these were all wow moments but each moment lends itself to trivial discussion, and you say, Well, why? Why is that? That well, we focus on the moment, but we miss the meaning. And I don't want that to happen to us today. So this week I highlighted it in yellow and I underlined it in red. Look with me at the at the end of Mark's Gospel, it's chapter sixteen. It says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they asked each other, well, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already Been rolled aside. By the way, do you understand that the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out, but so we could look in? They entered into the tomb. They saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Come here, look. Look. This is where they, they laid his body. Now there's your moment. That's, that's the moment that we're all familiar with. That, that's the moment that perhaps brought you here this morning. Now you might expect that an event that has shaped history for the last 2,000 plus years will be given a little bit more airtime. There'll be a little bit more space in here about what was taking place. But you need to go a little easy on Mark because the other gospel writers, well, they don't really give it much space either. The resurrection in scripture is never really described. It's only declared. It's like, hey, it it, it happened. This This is what took place. He's not here. He's risen. In fact, that's exactly in Luke's telling what the women find out. They get to the tomb and they're just told he's not here. Talk about a letdown, right? John only spends one verse on the moment. It's true. Gospel of John, one verse. Matthew records the women being told, come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. We're not told how the moment happened. We're only invited to come and to see that it did. Come and see, and then go and tell. That's the moment. But what about the meaning? Let's go back to Mark's story. The angel told the women, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's, he's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus... Wait, wait, Hang on, wait, don't read, don't read further. You wanted to keep going, didn't you? You wanted to. But if you had, you would have raced right over the meaning we just race right past something that gives flesh and blood to the theology that follows. Notice there in your Bible, it says, Go tell Peter. Oh, yeah, it talks about the other disciples, too, and, and the other gospel writers they that they mention that. Go tell the disciples. But Mark does something specific. And I want you to highlight and underline these words, and I want you to say them over again to yourself Go tell Peter. Because these are words that relate to you and to myself more than any others in the chapter. These are the words that actually give meaning to the moment. These are the words that give us hope. Come and see what God has done and then go and tell the person who needs to know the most that yesterday's mess doesn't have to be today's message. Do you know somebody that needs to hear that? Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Yesterday's loss, yesterday's pain, yesterday's chaos, yesterday's failure. Go and tell Peter. Yesterday's mess doesn't have to be today's message. Do you know his story? Do you know the story about Peter, how he wasn't a preacher or a politician, how he had no formal training. He was just a fisherman. He he was like he was like the Ron Rogers of the New Testament. Okay? He was just a fisherman. Loved to go out fishing. And three years earlier before this event that we're reading about, he had been minding his own business. He'd been minding his own business, taking care of his nets after another fruitless night of fishing. But let me tell you, if he had gone with Ron Rogers, it wouldn't have been fruitless. He'd have brought something back. But when Jesus approached, Jesus asked if he could go out on his boat. And Peter was like, really? All right, if we have to. And because Peter was nice enough to allow the use of his boat for Jesus to, to have another one of his lessons, Jesus said, why don't, you, why don't you drop your nets over here and I guarantee you're going to get something that will surprise you. And all of a sudden there was more fish coming on the boat than Peter had ever seen. He, he had no idea that when he reluctantly agreed to his rabbi's request that his life was about to change. From now on, you're going to fish for people. That's how Jesus put it. And Peter dropped his nets and off he went because that was his calling. That was his calling. And for three years, he went out with Jesus day and night in search of people. He went searching for people who were broken and lost. He, he looked, went searching for people who had been abandoned by the religious and abused by the establishment. People who were swimming in the consequences of their own sins and their own unrighteousness. For three years, he touched lepers and outcasts. He befriended prostitutes and ate with tax collectors and others who were far from God. For three years, he went with Jesus and brought hope to the hopeless and light to those who were in darkness. For three years, man, he went out and he fished for people. But three days ago, all that ended. Peter's world just came crashing down around him because Jesus had been arrested and killed. And when confronted about his connection to Jesus, Peter actually called down curses upon himself. And all the impact and all the joy of the previous three years vanished in an instant when he shouted, may God strike me dead if I know the man. Three times he was asked about Jesus. And three times he lied. And three times he defied. And three times he denied. Go tell Peter. So the women hurried back to where the disciples were staying, and they, they told him about the moment that they had witnessed. But their story just sounded well, it sounded crazy because they were talking about an earthquake and, and they were talking about white robed beings and terrified Roman soldiers and something about Jesus' body body being gone. And Luke says the disciples heard what the women said, but they thought that it was Leros. That's the word in Greek that he used. It's a word that means flapdoodle, hogwash. It was horse hockey. That's what they thought that it was. But when Peter heard the news, when Peter heard the news, he jumped up and he ran to the tomb. And he peered in and he saw the empty wrappings that were there. and, And then he went and he told everybody the great news. Actually, that's not what he did. Luke tells us that after seeing the empty tomb, Peter went home. And he wondered about what had happened. And later we are told that he went fishing. Yeah. Jesus is alive and Peter goes fishing. He experienced the moment. He went to the grave. He looked in. He saw Jesus is not here. And what does he do? He goes fishing. He experienced the moment, but he missed the meaning He still thinks yesterday's mess is today's message. And guys, look, during periods of extended chaos and uncertainty, when there is more of the unknown than known in our lives, our natural tendency is to retreat to those things that give us comfort. We want things to be normal, but things are not normal. So we go in search of something and anything that feels common or familiar. And it's why Peter decided to go fishing. And it's why we go to the party. Or we go to the lake. Or we go back to the office. We go back home or we go back to that relationship. Jesus had died and his tomb was empty, but but even if Jesus was alive, things were not going to be like they were before. Things had changed. And Peter had changed. He had not been there for Jesus. When Jesus needed him the most, and so he went back to doing what he knew best. Because when things got uncertain, Peter just went back to his boat. And I wonder if the same can be said for us. As our society has experienced growing pains over the last few years, what has been your response? Have you found yourself retreating into the comfort of past attitudes and actions? Have you found yourself doubting more and trusting less? Have you closed in your ranks, unsure about letting others close? Have secret sins that you had put away before, have they now returned? Have you become content having less interaction with the followers of Jesus? Have you gone back to your boat of fear and and isolation and pity and pride and just plain laziness? It's a good question. If you have, consider that one night after the resurrection, Peter and some of the other disciples, they, they, did, they went fishing, but that night they didn't catch anything. Why do you think that was? Why, why do you think that when they, when they went fishing after the resurrection, they did not catch anything? I wonder, I wonder if it could be that it's because that was no longer their calling. Oh, I know that's what they used to do. That's, that's what they used to spend their time doing day in and day out, but it's not what they were meant to do anymore. It's not who they were anymore. Not since Jesus had said, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. That's what your calling is. So when they returned to their boat in search of pre-Jesus satisfaction, their nets remained empty. You see, their circumstances had changed. But their calling remained the same. That they had been called to, to partner with God in accomplishing his kingdom agenda. to to join in proclaiming good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. They were to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to attempt anything other than that calling was going to result in empty nets. So they needed a reminder. And and man, I I love Jesus' sense of humor. At dawn, he was standing there on the beach This was the third time that he was going to present himself to to these people, to to, to Peter. Third time that that Peter was going to be able to see that, yes, Jesus, he really is alive. Now, Peter, you're going to get the meaning behind the moment. And he called out, and he's like, hey, fellas, caught any fish? And they said no. And I picture Jesus kind of shaking his head and smiling, thinking, of course you haven't. Because that's not your calling. Then he said, why don't you throw your net over to the right side of the boat, you'll get some. And so they did, and they couldn't haul it all into the net because there were so many fish. One of the other disciples looked to Peter and said, hey, you know who that is, right? That's the Lord that's out there. I mean, this doesn't happen unless, unless Jesus is involved. And so Peter does his best for his gump. Hey, Lieutenant Dan, and he jumps into the water, and he begins to swim all the way back to shore. The others stayed with the boat. They pulled the nets in, and when they got there, they found that there was breakfast waiting on them, and Jesus said, bring some of that fish that you caught, and so Simon goes back on board, and he drags the net onto shore. I just wonder that while he's dragging that net, I wonder if he's thinking as all that weight is pulling on him, the weight of the fish that he didn't really catch, I wonder if he thought to himself, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And look, I don't blame Peter for returning to his old life. He had walked away from his nets a few years earlier, but for all those successes and for all those joyful moments with Jesus, there had also been some difficult days and there had been some bitter failures. And so he's probably questioning his calling. He's wondering why Jesus chose him anyway. And I just wonder if we've had similar thoughts. Perhaps past choices and events have you thinking about your faults and your failures and your frailty. And maybe you drug your net in here this morning all the while questioning why it is that God called you and what he really sees in you. You know you're not supposed to be doing this, whatever this is, don't you? You're not supposed to be so consumed by your job, you're not supposed to be cheating your family. You're not supposed to be influenced by that friend group, not supposed to be getting in so much debt, not supposed to be letting your anger get the best of you, not supposed to be so fearful of changes and so intolerant of others and so lackadaisical in your faith and so quiet in the faces of injustice. Look, I get it. I understand how easy it can be just to go back to the way things used to be. But, guys, that's not your calling. Circumstances change, but our calling remains the same. And you have been called to partner with God in accomplishing his kingdom agenda. And my prayer is that today God will use this moment to remind you of your life's greater meaning. No matter your failures, no matter the darkness that surrounds you, no matter the chaos that you live in day in and day out, yours is a life of relevant influence where you have been called to be part of God's answer to the problems in this world. You see, individually and then as a whole, as a community, we've been given a ministry of healing and a message of hope. Because if you haven't noticed, our world has a love problem. And our world has an anger problem and a forgiveness problem. And our world has an acceptance problem and a value problem. And our world has a fear problem. And our world world has a sin problem. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to be part of the answer. We have a ministry to carry out. And because of the resurrection, that means that yesterday's mess is not today's message. So after breakfast on the beach, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter was startled because Jesus was using his given name. And it's kind of like when your mama uses your middle name. You know how that happens, right? You know, if my mom ever said Christopher Allen, I knew one thing was about to happen. The fly swatter was coming out. Okay? Now, I, I don't know how you guys were disciplined growing up. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just a North Alabama thing. But I can remember as a kid, Christopher Allen, and all of a sudden, the fly swatter comes out. Now, it wasn't used for flies, okay? No, it was used for the kid. That was what it was used for. Simon, son of John. Oh, no. <laughs> there was Jesus sitting on the other side, using Peter's whole name. Jesus looked straight at him but what does it mean do you love me more than these what more than the fish more than my friends more more than the boats more more than more than what i mean he'd returned to the sea but his heart wasn't in it and, and none of what he saw as he looked around could compare to the life that he once enjoyed with Jesus and so he knows the truth now and he's beginning to understand the meaning behind the moment and he stammers he goes yeah yes lord you know that i love you I imagine Jesus kind of tilting his head to the side and saying, do you love me? Do you?" Now he already knows the answer because he knows Peter's heart. He also knows, he knows my heart, he knows yours. Lord, you know I love you, Peter said. Peter knows he loves the now risen Messiah enough even to die for him and and one day he will but that's not the question that Jesus is asking. And so one last time he asks the only question that matters Simon, son of John do you love me? Peter flinches. Jesus doesn't believe him, does he? I mean after the mistakes after all that mess After the chaos that was the arrest and then the denial and the crucifixion. Lord, you know I love you. And I have to think that as he speaks it, he hears it. Three questions, three answers. And Peter dares to believe that his every denial is now forgiven and covered by love. Guys, that's the good news. That's the gospel in a nutshell in these words right here around the fire where Jesus sought out the liar and denier so that Peter would know that his faithlessness and his selfishness, his fear, they were all forgiven. And so Jesus says, now go. Go and take care of my people. It's the gospel of the second chance. Yesterday's mess is not today's message. And look, I get it. Not many many second chances exist in the world today. Just ask the kid who didn't make the volleyball team or the fellow who got the pink slip or the mother of three who got dumped for a newer model. There's not a lot of second chances in this world. Nowadays, it's now or never. It's three strikes and you're out. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And life can just seem like a minefield. One wrong move and one bad decision and one momentary lapse of judgment, and you're canceled, just like that. And we've all experienced it. the moment that we swore would never come, the, the choice that we said, "I will never make," the promise we said we would never break, the line that we would never cross. And in the words of Jesus fall in our ears, "Do you love me? Not will you turn from me again?" Or will you ever make this same mistake again? Jesus asks, do you love me? And we cry, yes. Yes. And he says, then you're perfectly qualified to do what I've called you to do. Friends, there are some of you who are here this morning and you reluctantly came because you felt as if you were not qualified to be here. Maybe there was a time before where this was a place that you found comfort. The community of God was somewhere where you came during moments of chaos, but because of all the pain, because of the heartache, because of the chaos in our world, because of choices that you made, because of your own sinfulness, you've come to the conclusion now that this just isn't the place anymore. And we want to protest and we want to remind Jesus of just how weak we are and, and just how prone to doubt we have become and, and just how unloving that we often act. But then we have a moment like today when we come and, and man, we listen and we hear these songs and we, we share this, this bread and cup moment together and we look into the empty tomb. We have a moment. And we're reminded of the meaning yesterday's mess is not today's message for three days Peter had focused on all the would-haves and the could-haves and the should-haves but the empty tomb declared it wasn't about Peter's failure but about Jesus's victory the story was not about Peter's weaknesses but it was about Jesus's power the story in fact was not about Peter at all and in fact the story is not about you the story is not about me, and it's not about your marriage, it's not about your kids, it's not about your family. The story is all about Jesus. And imperfect Peter was the perfect person to share the story of God's perfect plan. And today that honor belongs to you and to me, to everyone who has been forgiven by Jesus and who has been just filled with overwhelming love for our Messiah. Friend, you can still be used by God to bring change to this world. You. Because the tomb is empty. And yesterday's mess is not today's message. Now go tell Peter. And while you're at it, tell Susan and tell Scott. Tell Sam. Tell Bill and and go tell Barbara. Tell Jackson and go tell Janice and go tell Jennifer. Tell Cash and and Cassie, go tell Curtis. Tell Eduardo and Azalea. Tell Fernando and Francisca. Tell every person of every nationality and of every background. Tell the person that you love and then go tell the person that you hate. Tell the person struggling with addiction Tell the person that's weeping over an open grave. Tell the person who's abandoned their faith. And tell the person who's angry with all the senseless violence. Tell the person who's doubting their worth and value. Go tell the person who never reads their Bible anymore. Go tell the person who no longer prays. Tell the person who failed. Tell the person who lied to you. Tell the person who cheated you. Tell the person who quit. Tell the person who grew up in church. And tell the person who grew up on the streets. Tell the person who believes and the person who doubts. Tell the person who praises Jesus and the person who curses him. Tell everyone, yesterday's mess is not today's message. But first, this morning, tell yourself. Tell yourself. Don't miss the meaning of the moment tomb is empty. Jesus is alive and he's still calling you. So go and tell what that means. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Father, I thank you for being able to be reminded of the meaning behind the moment. Father, we... We've had times like this before, moments where we have been in places like this, and oftentimes the message just falls on our deaf ears because we think that it wasn't for us. That certainly it was meant for somebody else. Father, my prayer is this morning that everyone within the sound of my voice, whether whether here in person or joining us online or listening to this podcast, Father, that each and every one of us would know that that our mess from yesterday, that, that the mess from last year, and all the ways that we, that we have messed up in, in, in our teenage years, in those 20s, those times that we messed up in that first marriage, that, that, that time that we messed up in our second, the, the, time, that, the time that we messed up at work, the, the, time that, the time that we messed up in the midst of our family. Father, all of that mess, it's not today's message. Help us to hear that. Help us to hear that we still have a calling and that we have been called to go and share about the victory that is in Jesus and about the hope that everyone has. Father, make it real. Make the meaning come alive in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to close out our time together today by singing a song called Living Hope. And I joked earlier about, hey, look, if... um, if, if you didn't raise your hand about being the one that dumped all the cereal out, you, you need to come. I, I was joking, kind of. But I want you to know that we do offer that time. When we sing a song like this together in a moment like this, maybe the meaning has really gotten to you and you need to respond in front of this family. And maybe you need to come and say, you know what, I have gone back to the boat and it's time for me to, to get back to my calling. Maybe you'd like to come today and be baptized into Christ because you believe in the empty tomb and you believe that there's meaning behind it and that there's life found in Jesus and you want to experience that today. Maybe coming in front of people, that's not your thing. I want you to know there's a prayer room in our back lobby. Just walk into the lobby. There's a prayer room there and one of our elders, one of our pastors will be there and you'll have a time just in private, just to talk, just to share, just to pray, whatever your need is. It has been a blessing to be here with you today. Thank you for this moment. I pray that it has meant something to you. Let's stand and give God praise.